Hi there, thanks for listening in to episode 23 of Heart of Conservation. This is season 3 and I'm Lalita Krishnan, bringing you stories from the wild that keep us connected with the natural world. I'm speaking to Ambika Yelahanka, who has a very enviable job which involves lots of animals. Ambika has a master's in zoo conservation with a specialization in feline behavior and reptilian husbandry. She's the assistant curator at the Madras Crocodile Bank Trust in Chennai. Without wasting more time, let's listen to her amazing story. So Ambika, thank you so much for joining me on Heart of Conservation. It's really nice thank of you. you for having me. So uh, Ambika, tell us why, you know, zoo conservation, what inspired you? Uh, so basically, my inspiration came from my family. So uh, my family has not... Um, is not directly involved with conservation, but uh, uh, I haven't ever been alone in the house in a way because my mom and dad have rescued over 200 cats and about 100 dogs. So uh, from the time I can remember, there's been at least about more than 10 animals in the house along with the humans. So I knew when I selected zoology, it was not a big shock to my parents because they knew it was going to be something similar to what I've grown up around. Basically that. And uh, so that's why I got into zoo conservation as well, because uh, I feel like I I would... uh, I did do internships in field uh, research and in captivity. So which I and I fell in love with uh, doing captive work. Field research is great, but I didn't think that was for me. So I did uh, my master's in zoo conservation and got into a zoo and to work here. Such a lovely childhood. Yes. (laughs) So what is a typical day at the Madras uh, Crocodile Bank Trust uh, look like as the assistant curator? So uh, as an assistant curator, my day usually starts off with... uh, a general checkup round. So I go around and take a look at all the animals uh, with the help of keepers. So the keepers will report uh, to me or the curator, depending on if there is anything to report or if everything is normal. So since these animals are nocturnal, most of the reptiles that we have here are nocturnal. There's a lot of activity in the night and we tend to miss out on most of it because we, we are not active in the night. So uh, we just do a general checkup uh, the first thing in the morning just to see if anybody's everybody's okay, if there's any uh, leftover food or any feces that need to be removed from enclosures and kind of decide uh, what enclosures need to be cleaned for that day. And that's just, uh, that's basically my morning. So that takes about an hour to go around and check up on all the animals, especially the babies just to see if they're okay. And then after that, uh, we uh, t- we tend to like uh, get into food preparation. So with the help of our keepers, uh, we'll uh, prepare food for the herbivores that we have here because for carnivores, it's pretty much uh, the basic food. So meat comes uh, frozen. All we have to do is uh, thaw it and serve the food. Whereas for the herbivores, uh, it needs uh, a little bit of preparation, a little bit of uh, chopping for uh, appropriate sized animals. And after the food has been distributed, I do have uh, some paperwork. So I have, I get about two hours of office work done. 
And then uh, if any medical treatments are required, I also assist the veterinarian with any medical treatments that is uh, required to be done for that day. So currently we have an animal recovering from a surgery. So we have him on uh, uh, an alert watch. So we check up on him every hour. If we have any special needs animals as such, that will take up another part of the day as well. So you have a full day, really. Yeah, you know, there's a saying, if you pet, if you pet a dog, then you have a full-time job. It's good, something like that. But now you have a, a new full of animals and uh, keepers. So, you know, how, how many, you know, are we talking about when you say, when you talk about keepers and their, their wards, how many are we talking about? We have about 50 people working as a team here. So we have uh, all of them separated into different designations. So we have the curatorial team, the education team, and the veterinarian team, and then management. So uh, we uh, combined total is 50, but uh, people are divided into these four sections mostly. Okay. So uh, I saw a post where you were providing engaging activity for a reptile. It almost looked like you were playing with it, but of course... Yeah. It was more like an enrichment. And how uh, important is this for captive animals? So uh, as many people know, and it's one of the main reasons uh, zoos uh, get a lot of negative uh, comments that because you have a wild animal that uh, tends to usually have a lot of uh, um, mental stimulation as well as physical stimulation in the wild. And when you house them in uh, smaller enclosures, when especially in zoos, you need to sort of uh, provide that sort of mental stimulation, especially because otherwise, uh, like all humans, if you're not active, then you tend to deteriorate in your mental health. So that is uh, something that's not been uh, studied a lot in reptiles. Mm-hmm. But it's very common in the mammals. So most zoos okay. uh, actually provide uh, enrichment ideas, especially for your big cats. You have your uh, uh, carcass feeding or like uh, a big ball to play with. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of play, a lot of enrichment with mammals. But uh, people tend to usually ignore reptiles when it comes to this because they are generally uh seen as lazy but they they are lazy because they need to conserve their energy they don't have mm. uh, that much energy as mammals to expend mm. but uh, it, in that case it does not mean that they would they do not require mental stimulation and physical stimulation especially in captive uh, animals so a saltwater crocodile that can swim from a continent to another continent yeah needs a lot exercise especially when it's in captivity otherwise weight gain becomes a problem mm. and uh, to stop uh, uh, animals from displaying stereotypical behavior and sort of uh, stop the decline in mental health uh, enrichment is provided i am now training with uh, an alligator uh, ali she is uh, the only alligator to be bred in india in captivity oh, wow. So we, I do enrichment activities with her, with uh, some of our juvenile garyals, and also with our Komodo dragons. So yeah. depending on the species, the enrichment activity will change, but most of them will include a positive uh, reinforcing stimulus such as food. So any behavior that I want them to display will be rewarded with, the, with food. 
but even if they display a negative behavior there will not be a punishment as such so it she is open to display any sort of behavior she wants but if she wants food she would she will have to uh, kind of do what i ask mm-hmm. her to do when i'm talking about the enrichment it's when in captivity especially in zoos the enrichment is trying to get them to behave how they would naturally so that is what separates us from circuses because circuses will make them do uh, human like tricks and kind of jumping through the hoops and things like that that is not what we are aiming to do we just want her to like swim really fast or kind of jump up to get her food which are things that these animals do in the wild mm. and we just want her to display those same wild uh, behavior just in captivity so there's no unnatural behavior that will be encouraged yeah i like the way you differentiated from what they do in the circus <laughs> yeah. but you know it is exactly this this photograph that you had put up on instagram that made your work so interesting to me and <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. so glad you've explained it uh, in much detail so uh, one yeah. of the most important questions now i think for you and uh, people who have negative uh, views about zoos and stuff uh, why are places like ncbt and zoos important for conservation uh, as uh, many people already know uh, mcbt as such has uh, contributed to uh, reptile conservation the most in uh, india so uh, ram and uh, zai vitika started this facility uh, because uh, the crocodilian population especially the marsh crocodile and gharias had uh, uh, declined so much they were about to be uh, critically endangered therefore mm-hmm. uh, they started this uh, breeding uh, facility where a uh, lot of uh, most of the mugger crocodiles that were bred here were uh, reintroduced into the wild and that is how we still have a large population of mugger crocodiles in india right now so zoos as such especially that are uh, very much focused on conservation breeding especially for critically endangered animals is completely is very essential because uh, uh, one of the most popular stories are uh, currently with the critically endangered species is the white rhino uh, mm-hmm. where uh, sudan the male passed away and uh, and uh, the fa- species has been declared functionally extinct but there are two females in captivity which uh, people are hoping to breed to bring back the species so for animals that have been hunted to that extent bringing them right. back would be only from a ca- captive uh, place as such so zoos play a very important role in conservation breeding other than conservation breeding zoos also play a very important role in education because uh, i i pretty much think everybody saw a wild animal for the first time in a zoo as a kid uh, the parents would have taken them to a zoo and that's where they see a wild animal and uh, you get to learn about the animals that you didn't even think existed in this world and i i think it kind of builds a sort of curiosity so depending we have a great education program at mcbt as well so kind of explaining why reptiles are important why you should not have an irrational fear of them because uh, irrational fears of snakes are like uh, generational it's passed down from your pa- grandparents parents and things like that so we, if 
uh they kind of visit the zoo and we kind of help uh, eradicating that fear we will be uh, help, probably helping maybe that person will not uh, go and kill a snake if it enters his house next time so we're just hoping that the, the education plays a big role in kind of uh, especially in eliminating fear of reptiles and also kind of builds that curiosity like okay um, maybe they want to join conservation because more people in conservation the better i think education and awareness make a big difference but uh, i will tell me if i'm wrong but is it is it more likely that a younger child or a younger person is going to be influenced uh, by you more than say an adult who's lived this life yeah so you know the last time i visited a zoo was in nenital that was like eons ago and uh, to tell you the truth i'd never seen healthier animals in any other zoo yeah. you know at the, yeah. i don't know what's the altitude or the management but they also had the opportunity for the public i saw that companies were sponsoring animals which is pretty unique mm-hmm. back in the day so i believe yeah. uh, cbt also does that but how are, how receptive are people to sponsoring reptiles i think uh, with mcbt especially uh, there's a lot of uh, um sponsors and a lot of people adopting the animals because the curiosity for snakes and crocodiles has kind of exponentially grown throughout the years and uh, the outreach programs done by mcbt has also played a really big impact because uh, uh, my coworkers kind of travel around the country and visit uh, schools and hospitals and kind of try to like bring these species into light and kind of talk about why uh, conserving them and why respecting their boundaries is also very important so uh, i think uh, the outreach programs have played uh, uh, a very big role as well as social media so we have a good following on social media and uh, uh, and we also have a big following for our founders as well so since they have done a lot of uh, great conservation work for the country uh, they have a i would say a fan following so we have some people who are very loyal and uh, yeah so the adoption scheme and uh, it's going quite good especially the sponsorships so okay. there's a lot of people that want to uh, adopt crocodiles so are these uh, from india or are they from abroad mostly uh most of our uh, uh, adopters are indian we do have a couple of uh, people from abroad okay okay and mainly uh, we have a lot of parents kind of adopting uh, for their children's birthday as a birthday gift oh, so nice. that's very nice oh, yeah okay very cool changing yeah. the whole mindset <laughs> yeah. yeah so when you talk of outreach and going to schools and you know what kind of schools do you go to i'm just wondering uh, whether they're private schools so, government schools or do you cover the whole spectrum uh no i think the entire spectrum is covered because we first started off with uh, government schools especially around uh, chennai uh, because we are situated in chennai mm-hmm. so uh, i first initiated to all the government schools around chennai and in chennai and then the radius sort of expanded from there and now we have like sister organizations that have taken up the same uh, 
kind of are doing it in different states as well. So we have uh, a bunch of organizations that collaborate with us and do it in the state that they're present in, such as uh, Andhra Pradesh and Karnataka. It Go started ahead. off with government, but it kind of, uh, we started advertising it uh, more on our social media and that caught the attention of uh, public schools and private schools as well. So okay. um, kids are now currently uh, with, in collaboration with, Uh, companies that will help sponsor our travel and things like that are going to uh, schools all around the country right now including the northeast especially for now we're concentrating on hospitals and schools in the northeast and we're hoping that uh, it'll be fruitful okay so if okay these are through your sister organizations but what if a school approached you and said you know would you come and do a presentation for us we pay it can happen that way also okay yes yes definitely so before the pandemic uh, we used to uh, go to the schools uh, especially and any school that calls us uh, we'll uh, happily go and give us give them the presentation so for multiple classes uh, we i think my colleagues went about uh, every day for like two weeks to give talks to multiple classrooms Especially the snakes are a big fascination. King Cobra always brings out a lot of uh, screams from the children. <laughs> but I bet it's uh, better than sitting behind the desk yeah, and looking yeah, at a textbook. Love the, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So many renowned um, animal centers around the world like NCBT have breeding programs that are bringing wildlife back from the brink like the Arabian or Exo, yeah. California, Condor or the... Amur leopard, for example. So could you elaborate about, I know MCBT has has had great success uh, with its captive breeding. Would you like to elaborate on that? Uh, Yes. Uh, So MCBT started with the goal of uh, captive breeding and reintroduction. That was the main reason the entire park was um, built in the first place. The first main uh, species that were concentrated on was the uh, Indian population of crocodiles. So India has three species of crocodiles, which is the marsh crocodile, the gharial, okay. and saltwater crocodile. So uh, the main aim was to bring all three back to a sustainable population because before the Wildlife Act was uh, published, uh, crocodiles were hunted uh, to almost uh, extinction because for uh, for meat and for the height, so after the Wildlife Act was published and the hunting was banned, uh, there was still a big struggle because the uh, population was so fragmented that uh, without the captive be- breeding program, it would be very difficult to bring them back to a sustainable population. So uh, there were uh, Ram and Zyvitika both uh, started this park where... Uh, animals and eggs that were collected in the wild to ensure a 100% hatch rate. They collected eggs from the wild as well as a couple of animals from the wild. All of this with permission from the forest department, with permission from the state government and the central government. And uh, they were bred here, especially the marsh crocodiles, they were bred here. And uh, once they reached... uh, a size and an age where uh, the crocodiles could fend for themselves. They were uh, 
reintroduced into pre-selected sites. So uh, researchers from MCBT went to the uh, wild sites and kind of did the research and saw what would be the best sites for reintroduction throughout India. Uh, these sites, uh, particular sites were selected and uh, marsh crocodiles were transported from here to uh, those sites and reintroduced. And now we have a thriving population of marsh crocodiles in India. That's a huge project. I mean, it sounds like, a, I mean, just getting permission, so many permissions to start with and to ensure that these marsh crocodiles uh, sub- adapt and survive in so many different parts of India. It's uh, quite yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, because uh, uh, the work doesn't stop after you reintroduce. So, you have to continuously right. monitor the reintroduced animals just to see how they're doing. Because once you've reintroduced and they're not doing great and uh, they have, it's reducing again, then uh, your site was not great. So, you need to change sites again. So, it's a lot of work that continues after the animals have left the facility as well. Right. So, you're still. Uh, looking after them for a long time. Amazing. You know, being a zoologist can have its perks, um, apart from the obvious one of working with animals. You seem to have traveled and worked in many countries. Tell us your experience. I'm sure the young people who are listening and want to be a zoologist will be even more inspired. Yeah, I've had the privilege of uh, (laughs) working in uh, a couple of places around the world. So that was mostly during my master's degree. So during my bachelor's degree, most of my internships and volunteering was within India. But Mm -hmm. for my master's, I did my master's in zoo conservation from the Manchester Metropolitan University. Right. And uh, through through the university, uh, they provided a lot of uh, opportunities, especially because uh, since I was doing zoo conservation, they had a collaboration with uh, Chester Zoo and which is in the UK. And uh, I got to do a six month internship with Chester Zoo. So basically most of, uh, um, while most of the college students go to classroom, my classroom was the zoo. So for six months I had to take my class in the zoo. So it was a lot of hands-on experience. And I got to do my master's thesis as well at the zoo. Uh, with some incredible researchers, incredible scientists, people who have been uh, involved uh, with zoos for over 40 years. Got to learn a lot of things. Yeah. And along with that, uh, we did have an opportunity to go do a field project as well, for which uh, we were taken to Tanzania in Africa. And uh, we went to over eight uh, national parks, kind of doing uh, research projects uh for which um i selected the uh, grassland uh, density of butterflies so mm-hmm. i got to uh, got to walk around uh, uh, the savanna with uh, like armed guards because there was lions and hyenas like lurking right behind the bushes to mm-hmm. kind of collect data which was an experience that i will never forget i can imagine do you have very memorable moments i'm sure you have some uh, as part of these experiences, either the zoo and the savanna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when we were in Tanzania, we were camping. Um, so the campgrounds are in the middle of the savanna. So mm-hmm. basically, you're living inside the protected area. 
and uh, they kind of warn you saying uh, the animals have become quite comfortable with visitors and uh, do not shy away from entering campsites even if there are people there mm-hmm. so we were always told to be on the lookout and uh, and uh, when we were in the serengeti and uh, we were camping out in the night and uh, we, um, a bunch of girls we went to use the washroom and mm-hmm. opened the door and there was uh, three hyenas uh, inside the wall oh where we screamed and then the hyenas uh, kind of i don't know what the sound was but i would say their scream. sort of scream and they <laughs> ran in the direction and we ran in the direction so it, it was almost comical but scary at the same time <laughs> for both yeah. animal and human yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lovely <laughs> so you know uh, do you all take volunteers and if you do what sort of work can somebody who wants to volunteer expect to do uh, yeah mcpt has a great volunteering program as well as an internship program but uh, currently due to the pandemic we are not taking any right. volunteers at the moment but okay. uh, we will soon opening uh, will be soon opening the programs for uh, people and anybody yeah. from any background can apply for this it doesn't have necessarily have to be a zoology background you can be from any background if you just want to come work with animals for a week that's also okay you get to like be a part of all of our four sections as uh, but other than the management section so you get to be a part of uh, if you are interested in the curatorial aspect you get to follow our keepers around kind of observe what they do and they'll teach you the ropes of like uh, taking care of the animals but yeah. uh, if you are more of a people person you can always uh, uh, kind of uh, tell our education officers Mm-hmm. who will teach you like how uh, zoo education works how it is talking about animals and how it is a uh, kind of there's a lot of myths and a lot of uh, false beliefs about animals and how you tackle those things and you can do that if you we also have some veterinary students that want to come and volunteer they get to work with our doctor here okay. and uh, on uh, how reptile medication works okay Okay you said you can be from any background what about a age limit do you have an age limit uh, as long as you're 18 and above there's no age li- there's no upper limit for the age yeah we might just find me at your doorstep one of these days <laughs> okay you know so that is really interesting i ask everyone to all my guests to share a word that's significant mm-hmm. for you it could be a term it could be a concept if you'd like to share something i may have just about a few words for people who want to get into conservation and want to go ahead uh, go ahead study Anything. wildlife uh, i would say if you have the opportunity and if you have the financial aid please uh, go ahead and uh, uh, spend that to get your uh, further your education otherwise please uh, look into uh, getting internships and volunteering programs rather than uh, taking out loans don't go into debt to try to get into this field because mm-hmm. this field not help you pay your debt back that's it's if you study abroad right are there like can't you study it here yeah yeah you, you can you can study it here but uh, uh, it's quite and it's quite cheap as well there's the wildlife institute of india and there's uh, ncbs and iisc there's a lot of atri and there's a lot of uh, institutions that offer you uh, your to do your higher education 
while mm-hmm. you get you internships and while volunteering so if that is the case yes no but that's good advice thank you right. bye thank you bye do check out the links provided by ambika i hope you enjoyed episode 23 stay tuned i'm lalita krishnan and you're listening to heart of conservation you can read the show notes in my blog earthy matters and if you do know somebody whose story should be shared to write to me at earthymatters013 at gmail.com. That's E-A-R-T-H-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-S-013 at gmail.com. Heart of Conservation podcast is available on several platforms. To do check it out. And until next time, stay safe and keep listening.